Marvel DC, Marvel DC, Marvel DC, 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 Marvel, 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 We create our own realities and words. That's disgusting. Hello. That's disgusting. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. The Geek Chat. Hey, 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 everybody. And welcome to another edition of the Geek Chat. Is it live? We're live. We're live. We're live now. Hi, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> I'm your host, Rich, and with me is... Yes, man. Hey, guys. Uh, we're your hosts for uh, this episode of the Geek Chat, and all episodes of the Geek Chat. That's right. Sorry about that. We're a little running a bit late. Um, yeah, we're live. Uh, sorry, I had a little bit of uh, issue, technical issues, but we are back and we're here, so hope you guys love it. Um, so yeah, we had a great time at the Silicon Valley Comic Con uh, that happened in San Jose this past weekend. It was great. It was uh, fun. You went on Friday as Wonder Woman, and we went on Sunday uh, as the Geek Chat. Yeah, I was uh, Black Wonder Woman. I was Nubia. It was awesome. People loved it, and I was just like, yay. People recognized him on Sunday out of costume, and they were like, oh my god, it's you! Multiple people pictured, or uh, remembered him from Friday night, too. That's how much of an impression he made as Wonder Woman. Yes, people loved it. And I was like, sure, uh... Let's have a little bit of fun, folks. That's right. Here, let me give you my autograph. I wasn't signing autographs. You know, I wasn't that cool. Yeah, you was, were. I was pretty fun. Yeah, it was fun when people were like, yeah. oh my God, it's you. So we did an interview. We interviewed a couple people for our next uh, special one-shot edition of the Geek Chat. And we did a San, uh, um, Silicon Valley Comic Con 2016 edition where we interviewed a bunch of indie creators. And we hope you tune in for that special. And one of the gentlemen we interviewed lives in San Francisco and recognized him out of costume. And he was like, oh my God, it's you. And his table mate, the, the woman that was with him, was like, can I get your picture so I have a before and after? And Des was like, no, no pictures, no autographs. I'm too I cool so did not that. do that. <laughs> no, he was really cool about I it. I was like, of course you can. <laughs> I was all posing and cheesing and shit. It was all cheesecake. It was. It was very funny yes, to see. Yes, I was, I was putting all those cheesecake artists to shame. I was just like, you Frank know. Frank Cho who? <laughs> I was just popping it like I was on a handstand. It was awesome. Yes. It was It was fun. We um, we got there early and we walked around. And if this, uh, if you didn't get to go... It was their first one. It's put on by Steve Wozniak. And it was really, it should have been called Get Your Autograph Convention. Because <laughs> it was a lot of autographs. They had the Back to the Future people there. Um, they had a bunch of people. I had no clue who they were. Carrie Fisher was supposed to be there, but she canceled. And uh, we went not knowing what to expect. Well, I went in not knowing. He went on that Friday. So we were probably there about an hour and we realized that, okay, this is this is much smaller. C2E2 was going on, which is another really big convention. Where is that? Chicago? In Chicago. And so all the big talent was there. And they did have some, some big talent at, at this one. Stan Lee was there. Stan Lee wasn't at C2E2. And um, what's his name? William Shatner was there on Friday and Saturday. So we're walking around and we're trying to, you know, pick who we're going to interview and what we're really going to do the next show about. And as we're looking around, there's a lot of, of talent there, indie talent. And we're like, you know what? Let's spotlight some of these guys. Get them a little press. So we walked around, talked to, talked to about seven people, and we took pictures so you can see. And we're really excited for you to, to tune in and listen to that, which will be posted later this week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... You're probably going to be able to see, um, so the Friday when I was there with Wonder Woman, I was there with, with, uh, with another comedy troupe that I'm with called Speak Easily that I do with my friend Odessa Lil and Klingon Vanna White. And um, we were just doing interviews for that show. So that's a video uh, that's going to be coming out uh, later this month as well. So I'll be linking to that and you can see how crazy it was. Um, people really were digging me as Wonder Woman. It was very, very funny. A uh, funny story though. 
there were people who were like calling me out and they're like, oh, hey, it's Wonder Woman. That's great. But it was always so fun when people would say, oh, my God, it's Wonder Man. And I look over and I'd be like, I politely correct them and be like, no, it's Wonder Woman. It's okay. <laughs> so we were like, oh, this one woman kind of like looked away all sheepishly. And I was like, it's okay, girl. It's okay. <laughs> but, but for the most part, it was a lot of fun. Um, we got a whole bunch of really good interviews for that podcast as well. Sorry for that uh, video show as well. And we got about seven, seven interviews, seven interviews. Um, one thing that I did notice was there wasn't a lot of, uh, well, there wasn't any of the um, publishers weren't there. I mean, there was nope. Aspen Comics was there, but there was no. Devil's Due was there. Devil's Due was there as well. But there was no, like, there wasn't. Um, DC Marvel had no representation. Well, Oni wasn't there. I mean, Slave Labor, Gra- Slave Labor, Slave Lab- Labor Graphics is from San Jose, so I'm surprised that they weren't there. They weren't there either. I mean, I get it. They do um, their own convention. Yeah, they do uh, Ape now, but I figured they would still be there. Or someone would be there to rep these people. So the funny thing, they did have Batman versus Superman had a, a very tiny, tiny little booth. It was a little end cap booth. Yeah. And yeah, they were so they had these two girls behind there in t shirts and there was no real big so promotion. It, it looked it looked janky, it really did. And they had like posters all around and there was this long ass line that just wrapped around everything because you got to throw little ping pong balls in cups. Kinda like um Beer pong, but you weren't drunk, and it was for Batman and Superman, so it wasn't as fun as being drunk. So you threw them in, and I did not understand the game. I sat there watching because I waited for like two hours while Des went through these books, so I had to keep myself occupied. Ew. I kept going, are you done? He's like, no, I got another couple boxes to go through. I'm like, okay. So I just watched, and I swear, you could have missed, and they still gave you something. So, you know, people got hats or shirts, or I didn't see anything else really given away. Maybe a couple little bags. But people walked away happy, and that's all that matters. A lot of fun was had there. Hoping that next year it's... So I, as a toy fan, was really excited because it was like toy booth, toy booth, toy booth, comics. And then maybe like homemade stuff. And then toys, 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 and then comics. So I was happy because it was a lot of toys. Not that very many comic books. Um... But still, it, it was fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to San Francisco Con. The funny thing is, people... That she made me wait while you were looking through toys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that's what I was going to say. The San Francisco Comic Convention people are doing a really bad job because none of the vendors Des and I talked to knew anything about the convention being in San Francisco. So they got to do better promotion. But I agree 100%. Uh, I don't understand why it was like that. So know. overall, we would we would I mean we would say this is a good start to this con. Um, I really hope that they change the date so that it doesn't correspond with C2E2. Um, and because the first day, the first full day, they drew over 30,000 people. So people came to the show. Yeah, they want to know what it's about. And then they got yeah. there. They paid their 50 bucks. They're like, what the? Well, maybe, you know. But I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful that this grows and that they're able to uh, start pulling some people as well. Because I know uh, Steve Wozniak is trying to make this into a global brand, and I guess he is going to be having a, a Japan show too. So this is not just uh, specific to North America. So who knows? Well, let's He's, hope he wraps it up. Exactly. Or ramps it up. I ramps think. it up. So. So what right. are we here for? We are here to talk about comic books. Comic books that were released. Oh my God! Uh, what do you week? think? Um, per, and of course, number ones because we know we like our number ones and uh, we like our indie number ones. So let's get started with. Let's one. get started. We'll start us off, Rich. So we review the adventures of Archer and Armstrong, otherwise known as A Plus A, from Valiant Comics, written by Rafael Roberts, uh, art by David LaFluente, inker was Brian Wynn, the colorist is Brian Rubber, Rubber. Letterer is David Lanfear, and the cover was David uh, David LaFluente with Brian Rubber. That's the main cover. There's other covers, but uh, I've never read an Archer and uh, Archer and Armstrong comic book. And after reading this, I don't know if I ever will. Des has read Archer and Armstrong because he has a thing for Armstrong, who is this big, 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 beefy, gigantic bear man who is an immortal adventurer who spent the last 6,000 years drinking and carousing his way through history. And Archer is basically Iron Fist. So what I got out of this book 
is it's the adventures of Hercules and Iron Fist. And that's about it. Uh, yeah. What did you think of it? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting book, but I, mean, I liked the Archer and Armstrong, and I liked the first uh, version of it. But for whatever reason, this one just didn't sound. This one just didn't resonate. I mean, the whole story. I think it's a. Um, I don't think it's a continuing edition. No, it's just four issues. I think the whole the whole idea behind this, the whole storyline is, Armstrong has this bag, and this bag is infinite. It's got. It holds this just giant labyrinth of mazes and rooms and he's got these weird little like creatures that clean up after him in the basement and he goes in it because it leads off where he has a friend from the 1950s and they a locket from a mafia guy and he gets this vintage wine and the guy's dead now he feels bad so he wants to find the wine so he goes into his own bag and I don't know. The The premise was kind of thin for me, and the art was kind of wonky for me. The art was kind of lazy in spots, too. What did you think of the art? It was lazy in spots for you? Yeah, it was. It wasn't... So, David LaFluette, I feel, can really... He's more of a cartoony uh, set in realism. Like, the forms look like forms, and they look like people, but they're kind of exaggerated and, and kind of blocky in this. And... He's not one of my favorite artists, but art is subjective. A thing on tonight's podcast, people, is art is subjective. We all like different things. And Someone comes into the store and says, I'm looking for a book with good art. I'm always like, well, what do you consider good art? Because everyone listening right now will have a different idea of what is great art and what isn't. And I'm hard on certain artists uh, and certain people that pretend to be artists, but I know what I like. And I, I can't say to what you will like. And for me, he he has a good form. It's just not... We're going to get to a book later that Des and I completely are opposites on the art. And that is the subject for tonight's podcast. It's subjective art. And for me, the art in this book was a little too cartoony, considering there's a, an ad for, what is it, an audiobook or something? And the art in that, makes these two characters look completely different. And I would much rather prefer reading that other book. So that was my whole problem with the the issue. Well, I enjoyed it um, only because I like the way that he draws Archer. <laughs> I mean, Armstrong. I mean, Armstrong had the big, like he's a big guy and he didn't have a shirt on for most of the book. So I was like, yay. But um yeah, it was his art was kind of blocky and didn't really know what was going on. Um, I don't know. It was just for a number one, it started well, but the art kind of took me out of it. And I and I was a, and I'm a big fan of uh, uh, La Fuente. It was just something about it. Just I mean, because his art has changed. Because I was a fan when he did. Um, what did he do? Uh, Patsy Walker, Hellcat. I was loved the art, but for some reason, it just kind of his art just changed a little too much. So I don't know. But as far as the story goes, I think it's funny because you never see Bacchus as a villain. So and Bacchus is the villain, and it's like I feel like they're gonna have a drunken brawl or something. But the whole thing takes place inside the satchel. So I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit going on. The satchel of doom. The satchel of doom. So I'll try it. I mean, I might. I might try the second issue. I'm not sure. But okay. So the next book we're going to review is Steven Universe and the Crystal Gems from Kaboom. It's one of four. Written by Jocelyn Fenton. Illustrated by Kristen Garland. Colors by Leigh Luna. Letters by Jim Campbell. And the cover was by Kat Leigh. I, Desmond got me into Steven Universe. He's like, you got to watch the show. And I watch a couple of them. I never really... You know, I don't follow it like he does, but I read the comic. But it's so good. So good, so good, so good. It is. The show's fun. I just, you know, don't watch it. So he's like, okay, we got to review this. And I'm like, um, okay. And I read it. And uh, boy, we're just, I don't want to make this a downer podcast, but I didn't enjoy the story. It was quite boring. It was it was nothing as fun as the show. Yeah, I think that's the problem. Is sometimes 
see a lot of with these with these uh, comic uh, these cartoons that are turned into comic books. I don't th- sometimes uh, something can be lost in the translation, and I think that's what's happened with this book. Is something was lost within the translation. I mean, it's it's not earth shattering. I mean, this is not civil war. This is not anything. I mean, it's just you know crystal gems going out and they're telling ghost stories. Yeah, they go camping. I mean, so it's it's a pretty innocuous kind of story, you know, but there's something missing from it like the the um i don't know the excitement is just kind of missing and i and i just don't know if it's because i'm comparing i'm personally comparing it too much to the to the cartoon but i don't know just and i've tried other steven universe comics before but it just some for some reason it, it it's just hard to translate it uh from the comic to the sorry from the tv show to the comic so i don't know it's just, but there have been there have been lots of translations where it goes from the cartoon to the comic book where it totally works but for this i don't know i think it's missing the the like kinetic and frantic fun of the cartoon it just it was a miss for me and and the fact that going and telling these ghost stories around a campfire has been done so many times and it was kind i hate to say but like you could you knew where it was going but when he found the glass and why is glass here? And then the glass thing shows up as a big monster. And yeah, I'm sorry. I know that a lot of fans <laughs> like Steven Universe, but and this, and this Frank didn't as well. work this for me. This is why I stay away from cartoon adaptations. And it's like not all of them are bad, Frank. I mean, only some of them just really like don't don't hit the mark. I mean, some of the the GI Joe stuff has been pretty good, but I think that's because it stands on its own. Well, and the Transformer stuff. So I read so the, I Transformer read the Transformer stuff. stuff so. The Transformer stuff is actually quite fun because it's 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 not just taking the story and making something up they're actually um moving the storyline ahead there's there's actual repercussions for things that happen and and same in gi joe they're they're actually just continuing the stories from what has come before um but this yeah this was a miss so i would i would say stay away we got one more no no no, no. it's well here's the thing i think this might read better as a trade too you know and it's only four issues so i think that when it comes out in trade um and we get to read the whole story as as a whole it might be a little bit better but as a first issue standalone i mean i don't know i mean it's it's fun it's cute but but it just wasn't like holding me you know and the next book we're going to talk about didn't hold me either. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I'm glad we're getting we're getting this out of the way now. Yeah, because we know? got some fun books coming up. So the next book we're going to review is Ghostbusters number one. It's a one shot called Ghostbusters Deviations. And for the entire month of what month are we in? March. Um, IDW is doing these different one shot deviations, and it's almost like uh something a certain part doesn't happen or it goes a different way what would the world be like and they did ghostbusters x-files transformers gi joe and teenage mutant ninja turtles and for example the transformers one was instead of uh this is a world where optimus prime never died and it's taken directly from the movie the gi joe one is where uh, cobra turns the table on gi joe the Turtles one is where the Turtles join Shredder. Well, this Ghostbusters one was in a world where the Ghostbusters never cross streams. It sounds like a gay porno. It really does. Sounds Something sorry. set at Folsom, or, you know, <laughs> where the streams never cross. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> Don't get it on me. <laughs> so this was written by Kelly Thompson. The art was Nelson Daniel. Letters by Neil Yuktak. Uh, and the cover was Nelson Daniel. The one... The main cover was by that uh, gentleman. So, yeah. Do you uh, tell me, Des? Have you ever had an artist, a musical artist, and you love? You have every album, or in your case, you know, iPad, iPod music thing, whatever it is. You still buy CDs though. But I'm not of. old enough to still buy albums like you are. I hate you. Uh, you know what? Albums are in. So shut the <laughs> hell up, bitch. Have you ever had that artist that you love, and they just have one song that's a miss, and you're like, ah, I just can't do it. This is your cherish, huh? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kelly Thompson's writing. Like, I love her independent stuff. Her gem is some of the best stuff in the world. This Ghostbusters was kind of a miss. And what made it a miss was that the Ghostbusters, uh, that the Stay Puff, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man had sentient poops. And that the poops were running over the city. 
I, that was too much for me. Yeah. yeah he had he had marshmallow poo. Marshmallow poop. And they poops. were mean and they were evil and Yeah, and you get covered in marshmallow poop. Yeah, and uh, it was just I mean it was fun and it was ki- kitchen I just mm. Again, a gay porn with marshmallow but poop. I, but I loved how they got rid of Gozer at the end. He just couldn't deal or Gozer couldn't just couldn't deal with it and 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 it left cuz Go- Gozer has no gender. So It was Lufa Joe rectangle shorts is what they put Gozer's body in. And we all know that's a play on SpongeBob SquarePants. And so he has to live his life in this. I was just like, okay, I even, I love fun comic books. I love funny. I love weird. Ooh, this was a miss. Well, at least it was a one and done. Yes. And yes, Frank, I am older than you and you buy albums, but you are an old soul. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I think this is a pretty interesting contrast compared to um, last week when we really liked Mars Attacks, you know, and yeah. and it's just like so. Not again. Not all of these adaptations are bad. It's just some of them are no just Frank, better than others. Frank hit it right on the head. He said it, it's just like Marvel's What If. That is exactly what all these deviations yeah. are. Yeah. And I read the Transformers one today, and I gotta admit. It was better than this because in it, so Starscream always wanted to become the leader and Optimus Prime kills, you know, Megatron and um, Unicron ends up making Starscream like his bitch this time. It wasn't bad. It, it was, if you were a fan of the um, the movie, then you might like this because it is, it's a what if, what if, you know, Megatron was the one that died instead. I think it's funny because all I can keep hearing is Starscream, that that high-pitched, whiny bitch voice he had. <laughs> oh, my God. He was like, seriously, he was like the first like gay cartoon character on television like ever. <laughs> With heels. Exactly. He had heels. He had heels. That was what's so cool because his thrusters became like heels, and he was always like, Megatron. And then the funny thing is in the latest <laughs> version of the cartoon, they actually had him in heels. It was high heels. <laughs> let's let's review a book we both really, really, really loved. Yes. All right. You yes. go ahead and do the honors on that one. I will definitely will. So uh, the next book we're going to talk about is Squadron Supreme number five, which wraps up the first arc of the book. It was uh, the first arc of the book, which was written by uh, James Robinson. Pencil was uh, Leonard Kirk. Inkers was Paul uh, Neary and Mark Deering. Color artists was uh, Frank Martin and Guru EFX. Uh, letter was by a VC's uh, Travel Lantham, and the cover artist was Alex Ross with a cover with a variant cover by Ryan Sook. Fantastic book. Sorry, this this book out of all the Marvel books, team books that's going on right now, I think this one is giving um, most of the Avengers books a run for their money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. This is how you do like morally gray uh, characters, right? In my opinion, I mean, we we and and it's really giving Weird World much more depth because the whole arc took place in Weird World. So, I mean, and they introduced another a character, uh, an old character, an old Avengers character who is now, uh, you know, a spirit who doesn't have a body, and it's Doctor Druid, and he's kind of this manipulating. Uh, entity you know who can finally have a a form in weird world um and it just shows i mean just everything that's happened in this series with one with uh 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 power princess yeah power princess warrior woman and and her (laughs) being a traitor and titania taking her place on the team and then having uh nighthawk and blur work together that was great how they how they they've been training they've been training together in order to uh, just in case something like this happened and the blinking of the eyes. Yeah, well, while everyone else is out doing their own thing, these two have been working together and training. Yeah, and it, and it, which makes me believe because Nighthawk is such a tactician that he has something else going on about... it. Just it, There's just... Robinson just alludes, alludes to so much potential. And even though uh, Dr. Druid was defeated, he wasn't oh, because, he's no not. because he has something else planned. And I think it's great that he took this kind of third-tier character 
and made him third I mean, tier. Well, Ooh, you're giving him some credit. I know, I know, I know. But to make him be a baddie because no one else was doing anything. I mean, at first, I was kind of sad that they made that he made Doctor Druid evil. But we don't know if he's evil or not. Or oh, what's he's going evil. On. You think he's evil? He's evil. Well, he doesn't have. He's a had form. it. He's I done. Mean, he doesn't have a body to you know be evil or anything. I don't know. You know some other things. I think this one really each character on the team got a moment to shine and in a team book that's really hard to do you know you got dr spectrum who who not only was phased out last issue brought herself back together helped hyperion hyperion i love it he figured out that superman i mean hyperion is like you know oh, i guess you know i i'm immune to magic or i'm, I'm vulnerable uh, to magic. I'm vulnerable to magic well, oh well if i have to be vulnerable to something i guess it's that i mean <laughs> it was fun he's, he's totally superman which is fine, you know. I like his characterization. You know, I just this whole team just is, in my opinion. I mean, Frank said that this is the second book. Uh, I guess underneath the Ultimates, but I have to disagree. So, well, you both are beautiful princesses, and you both have the right to your own opinions. Mm-hmm. I happen to th- agree with Dezo. <laughs> you agree with no, me? Yay! No, well, no. I gotta you say, for, you heard it here. I folks. love Ultimates, but as for this, this book just this you, issue you solidified. You have to justify it, girl. It's okay. She's Team Desmond, Frank. Sorry. And Gene, I'm not going to give voice to that person's name, but yes, I would have hated the book had it been him. <laughs> but yes, this is a really good book. I cannot wait to see where uh, uh, Robinson is and Kirk are going to take it. I um, want Crystar to have his own book, or at least a miniseries. Uh, yeah, I could. I could. Well, do you think they're going to pop up in the weird world? The weird. The weird world book. Maybe. I mean... I don't know. Because I think they're trying to have them be ancillary characters now, which is fine at the moment because I don't think that I don't think that they have the popularity to, to push their own book. Honestly, I'm sorry. Well, I the Micronauts are getting their own book well, over at IDW. But. Yeah. But, I mean, I think if they were to do sort of like a, an Archon slash... Crystal. No, book. I don't want Archon. I think he would. I mean, he's no. like the the head of it now. Or bring back Morgan Le Fay. You never really saw what happened to her. You know. Uh, so if there's one criticism I have in this book, it is that I feel like some of the panels were a little rushed because there's one panel of Warrior Woman running away, and it just it's it's so out of place in the page that it's on, and I just feel like. It either was rushed. Some of the faces are a little weird, but otherwise, this is still one a, a very solid book. Yeah, um, it actually moved me to go pick up uh, James Robinson's uh, uh, Invaders run. So when I was at Silicon Valley, I picked up the first trade of the uh, new event um, Invaders uh, book that he yeah. that he did that 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 was canceled. So I'm definitely going to read that, and I. I think people should pick up this book. It is. I really think that it's flying under the radar for some people, and I really think that you should uh, pick it up and give it a try, especially now that the new arc is starting. Thank you again for tuning in and checking out the Geek Chat. We're here live every Monday from 6 to 7 on MixLR. If you miss an episode or any of our other episodes, you can check out um, this season and any other season that we've done before on SoundCloud. Search the Geek Chat. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Tumblr, and on Instagram. We are also on YouTube. But again, always search the Geek Chat. If you want to talk to Rich or myself, you can always uh, join the Facebook group, The Geek Chat. Always search the Geek Chat. So what's next on our agenda, Rich? Well, I want to kind of apologize oh. from the Geek Chat to all the DC fans out there. We, Des and I both realize that the last couple of weeks or months... We've been rather just weeks. We've been rather light on reviewing DC books, and I know people like Kevin, uh, our good friend Kevin. He loves DC, and we love DC. And the reason why we're really not reviewing any DC books is just because there's no really DC books that are good that we want to review right now. Um, but we will be once Rebirth starts. We will have DC titles for you. Uh, well that we'll review but you know we were talking about it the last couple of weeks when we've been going through our books we sit down every wednesday and we go through the books we want to talk about and then we re-review them on friday and then monday we do it again and we're like 
realize we have no DC books again, right? I want to give out a shout out again to Sinestro, which has been one of the most solid books. Uh, this week's Sinestro, again, great book. Different heroes and villains of the DC universe got a Sinestro ring. His daughter is now the leader of the Sinestro Corps. And uh, it's just, that's one of the most solid DC books out there. So sorry to all the DC fans. But the next two books we're going to review are... Actually, I want to respond <laughs> to some of the comments. Yes, some of the books, Frank, are not really strong right now. But we should at least be trying to do a little bit more. And Charles, no, we don't have to <laughs> apologize. But there is... I mean, DC has a lot of stuff coming out right now. And I just want to let you know that we will be, like Rich said, um, reviewing all the new uh, Rebirth books because, yeah. We got to weed all through that stuff. Yeah, DC's kind of tough right now, though. I don't know. But, but hey, they know it and they're changing and we're definitely going to give it uh, a try when all yes. the new books start. Like we're going to probably gonna end up reading all of them. So And not on, it won't be on next week's podcast, but the following one. Um, we will be talking about the new DC lineup from WonderCon. We'll give you all our thoughts because they're waiting to release all their, they're waiting to shoot their wad, so to say, um, until WonderCon next Saturday, which you all have no clue when next Saturday is because you can listen to this anytime, but you know. That's true, Charles. <laughs> What's true? No, you have to read it in the comments. <laughs> all right. So the next book we're going to review is two books together, but we're going to review them separately and then talk about their universe, shared universe. So the first book we're going to do is the all-nude, I mean new X-Men. Uh, uh, that is by uh, Dennis Hopeless, is the writer. A penciler is Mark Bagley. The inker is Andrew Hennessy. Uh, the color artist is Nolan Woodard. Letter is VC's Corey Pittet. And the cover artists are Bigley, uh, Hennessy, and Woodard. Oh, okay. So we have um, the all-new X-Men fighting the Blob and the Toad. And it, don't you think this is... Do you know what's really weird? First generation. Right? Fighting first generation that are like 100 years older than them. I know. It's so funny. It's, that it, I, I thought it was, was kind of clever. It's like, you know... Who's next? Sauron? I would like Sauron. That'd be kind of cool. Who else would we have? Who's first generation? Who's first generation villains? Uh, I'm not talking Magneto and all that, but like who what was Mesmero? And Mesmero, they got to bring did in. Mesmero die though. Yeah, they don't care. And I want to bring up that. <sighs> do you did you notice that since the new Marvel or Frank, what do they call it? Marvel Prime? Because I still call six one six, but six one six. That's fine. But Frank calls it something else. Not when he talks about. It. I think it's Marvel Prime. He'll post it in the chat. Um. Have you noticed that they're just like, they'll bring back whoever they want, except for, like there's always that except for. Mm -hmm. So they brought back all these people, and somehow, the last time we saw Blob, he was uh, taking Dazzler's blood, because it was the MG mutant growth hormone. Yeah, and they beat the crap out of him. Yeah, so he was not a mutant, and he never stayed like this. Yeah. So now he's full back to full power. Over in Uncanny X-Men, the Dark Riders are back for some unknown reason. I just feel like this new Marvel Prime, they're like, you know what? We're not going to bring back Charles Xavier. We're not going to bring back Wolverine. We're not going to bring back Gene. We're going to bring back Uncle Ben. You know he's coming back. Uh, two words. What? Secret Wars. That's what I mean. It's like they bring it back. They're like, yeah, you know what? Ignore it. Just ignore anything. We're just going to do what we got to do to tell stories. Pretty much. That's how I feel. So like Toad... Toad has gone through so much. He's a lot of changes. I didn't even recognize Lots him when he got out of the car. changes. I was like, who is this person? And, and then his he, tongue is always... <laughs> it's always out of his mouth now. It's always like kind of bulbousy. Remember when Jason Aaron was writing Toad dating Husk over in Wolverine and the X-Men? And he was like the schlub and he always had his, his eyes covered with his hat. And he's, he was the janitor. Demure. And now he's like this buff, crazy ass, drunk Toad. They just they can do whatever they want. It's their universe. It just makes no sense. What did you think of this issue though? Um I think that they should meet Mimic. There we go. Yeah. Let's just pull another obscure person out there. I think it'd be fun. I mean, if if they're doing a tour of of the young's youngins versus the oldens, then yeah, bring in Mimic and see what he has to say. What I thought about the issue, eh. We last time we saw Mimic was in eh. Dark Avengers, remember? Yep. That was a while ago. Um, I don't, I don't know about this book. I know some of our listeners really enjoy it. I know they do, fine. and I'm glad they do because I want people to read what they enjoy. The best thing I liked about this book was Warren. I, I liked Warren 
um, using his wings more aggressively. I liked him talking about, yes, I'm this jovial, nice guy, but I have a dark side. You know, I mean, sort yeah, it was sort like of, a Kelly Clarkson song. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, yeah, it was kind of weird a little bit, but to see him be angry was and to use his powers like that. I was like, OK, it was a lot of fun. For me. But yes, Franklin Richards is a little bitch. Yes, he can do whatever he wants. Um, I like that Warren figured out the only way. And I like how, and you know, uh, Dennis Hopeless, the one way that Blob, he is immovable. Or, you know, he can't be moved and all this. And his skin is impenetrable. But his eyes and mouth and innards are not. So what a great way to beat him. And kind of violent for these youngins. Yeah. To shove it eye. through the eye. He's, he's Stabbed him, stabbed him with a like a rebar pipe in his eye. I mean, like, what the hell? And then like Warren, Warren, then Warren did the the whole dive bomb thing, where you you'd climb up on the top, uh, the top ring, you know, or the top, uh, what is that called? He did, a, he did atomic drop, right? And he was like, yeah, bam, bitch. So yeah, he didn't really say that. He didn't. But. He should have. That would have been funny. And then he he basically blows off X twenty three. He's like, what? And whatever, I'm going to go lie down somewhere. I just was like, okay. And then the friendship between Idy and, and I'll be honest, I know a lot of our listeners are going to agree. I would have been so much happier if Idy was so standoffish against Bobby. And yeah. I think that, that they're making her so religious that I, I appreciate that this is in it, but it would have been so much better if she didn't like him. Because well, she had a little bit more, you know, because of angst because of the religion, him. yeah, yeah a because bit more you're angst gay around him. Well, I mean, I don't know. Again, this is this is a book that I read, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's just it's just a fun read. It's very, I, I find that it's very uncomplicated. You know, I I agree with you that it's time for them to go home. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's time for them to go home too. Just you know, it it was cool while it lasted, but I think the, I think the newness of that book is kind of worn off for me, and it just seems like they just need to go home and bring back the real Jean Grey. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. I'm sorry. Like if you're bringing people back, bring her back. You know, she could take a vacation from the white hot room and come and join us here. It's fine. Just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. You know, send her back. That's, that's what she has to do. It's but about, it's about rebirth, right? She is the phoenix. So yes. rebirth her ass. That's, that's DC. So on the opposite side is the Extraordinary X-Men written by Jeff Lemire. Umberto Ramos is the penciler. Victor Olozaba is the inker. Edgar Del Delgado is the color artist. And then the second story, Strange Magic, was written by Jeff Lemire. And the artist from the last arc, Victor Ibanez, was, I like his art. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, Soto Color was the color artist. And VC's Joe Caramanga did the lettering. And the cover artist was Humberto Ramos with Edgar Delgado. This little book here. Had I had its problems. I, it had its problems. Um, I was happy to see Sugarman come back. I happen to like these '90s villains. I never liked Sugarman. I did, but I didn't realize that he could grow like Giant Man. Well, I knew he could shrink, but I never knew he could. Sh why not? Should grow? Why not? It's the new Marvel. Why not? Um, so this starts their whole apocalypse wars because you know what? There's going to be a movie coming out. And for I'm shocked for all those Marvel, you know, conspiracy theory people that they hate, you know, the X-Men. This proves them wrong. Not really. Well, here's the thing. So what we is know the that, thing? We know that Sugar Man had all those, what, 600 mutants? What did he say? is like 600 mutant embryos, and he was going to shoot them into the future. Okay. So going under that premise. So going to Thank you, Paul. Yes, the top rope. Boy, rope was a hard word to think of. Off the top rope. Um, so they have been saving. So the the those four have been keeping these embryos safe for I guess a couple hundred, uh, a couple years, maybe five. They didn't really say six hundred mutants. Yes, yes, coming from so, around the globe. So they've been protecting them from the four horsemen of apocalypse. But who is Apocalypse? Is it our friend over in All New X Men, or is it a new Apocalypse? No, you know I'm kind of. That's what kind of was intriguing to me. I did not think that the the Horsemen were cool. I know no, you didn't like. Them I either. had a huge problem. So 
when we were on our way to San Jose yesterday, I'm like, did you read this yet? And he's like, no. My biggest complaint is that Colossus takes this brand new team, the, the kids in training, and they think, you know what? There's not going to be a danger. I we'll can't go. I can't believe they would think that, though. So they go. They get transported to the future. I. This is how I would have done it, and I know I'm not the writer, but I think this would have been better. What if Colossus was on the ground, beaten to shit? He was just all bloody, and like his armor is almost coming off, and... The X-Men go through their, you know, their time space thing and they show up in the future and instead of Logan getting smashed down by Glob, I think it should have been Colossus on the ground. He sees the team and they're like, oh my God, where are the kids? And he's like, you need to run, you need to run. And when you turn that page, those four students should have been the updated horsemen. For me, that would have brought more weight to the story because when you turn the page and you see who they chose, it kind of makes no sense into what what we know Apocalypse would choose. He would not choose humans. Well, they might not be humans. I know, but still, I just think it would have been stronger had the children been the four horsemen. Well, maybe they're different types of horsemen. You know, I mean, we don't know. It's too early to tell. It was I know. It's, it's the first issue. It's it's a cliffhanger. I'm just issue. telling you, I would have been a lot more excited had it been the children. So the one thing that because the children are our future, <laughs> the children will lead them. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of weird, maybe you did too. Uh, the whole Storm and Logan thing, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, Forge walking in on them and she telling him to knock. I thought they would be fine now. Well, it's a four-way. Did you notice? It's like you've got this weird Jean Grey, old man Logan, father-daughter. That's and then you've a mentor got, thing. I know, but it's still weird. And then you've got, which I always thought that the, the young Wolverine and Storm was so forced. Their relationship was forced upon us. Mm. And... Now she's like, old man Logan, you're kind of hot. You remind me of, you know, if, if you can do what he did, then let's go. And they were salty. like, yeah. And then she liked them wrinkles. Forge, <laughs> Forge walks in. And yeah, but if you notice in the last couple issues, they do have this weird tension between them. But I'm thinking, come on, Forge. And like who? <sighs> but it totally goes against what happened over in Storm's book. I don't know if Mr. Lemire ever read that book, but. I could have swore they put them their whole differences between them in that book. They, along, like they have had that. So, okay, here's the thing that pisses me off: is Storm and Forge have had that parlor scene episode when they've had to come to Jesus and talk about their relationship multiple times. In do the we comics. go to church? Do we go? Do we have uh, tambourines and, <laughs> you and a choir? You know, but I'm just saying. Well, I don't think either of them are Christian or Baptist, but anyway, um, it just seems that we're always seeing. <laughs> Maybe the old 440. Maybe. But I'm just tired of them having this. Can't they just be okay with each other now? Like I, I just Lots of people sleep with people and still work and live together. And, and, and it seems like we've had, it just seems like a rehash that is unnecessary. You don't want no more drama in this no, book. And I, and I thought it was kind of, I don't know, for some reason I felt like Wolverine, the whole scene between Wolverine and Storm just felt, for me, felt like a breath of fresh air of, of Logan just being like, like I like. I like this old man Logan and how he's written and how he's basically like like I've I've lived in the wasteland I've seen all this bullshit. He just seems so much more calm than than how. Yes, he looks old. We're looking at the comic right now. Yes, he's old. He's an old man, but he's just so much more calm. I like this Logan a lot better this iteration, and I like Storm. How Storm is kind of like you know what? I just need to chill out for a minute. I don't know. I just I kind of like them as a as a possible couple. So just Forge needs to shut his bitch ass up and just sit down. You know, we're on issue eight and I got to admit, I'm did not like the book when it first started, but this is the one X book I'm actually warming to because as much as I don't like the state of the X right now, I think out of all three books, it's weird saying three books because a year ago this time there were like 11 books <laughs> yeah, there was. and now we're like three books. Um, this is the book I'm really, for me, I'm drawn to because as much as uncanny is fun and it'll be even it'll be a lot more fun once you know it gets an artist on it I just feel like this is the book with the characters that Jeff Lemire is known for writing characters and it's character driven and that's what I'm hoping here to see now I don't know about this for me we were talking a little bit about um Civil War and how it, Civil War is going to just be everywhere in a couple months and I miss 
a little character character moment time. And this book is giving me little character moments. So this is this is my X book right now. Total 180 from the number one and two. I would agree. So on to the most unnecessary book of the week, um, International Iron Man number one. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. But I just don't feel that this book was necessary. This whole, I know, this whole arc could have been told, this whole book, this whole thing could have been told in one of Tony Stark, in one of Iron Man's books. And I'm that, sorry. And that is what I said to you is no, because the Iron Man, the reason why this book exists, according to Axel Alonso, is, well, he, he they think Iron Man can sustain multiple books. Oh, he can, because of how famous he is. No, I don't, don't get me wrong. I think but he can. The reason why this isn't in that book is because that Iron Man book is going to be all Civil War. <laughs> That's going to be the Civil War book. So to tell more stories, we now have international iron man then if, you know if they're, they're going to do that then why don't you just make the the iron man book 499 and do this as a backup story i mean come on ooh that would have been something i mean because if they're going to see here's the thing if they're already going to buy iron well that's okay honestly you can charge two at two at 399 instead of one at 499 i get it you know i get the math behind it but it's just like this book was just ugh. okay so let me get this out of the way okay brian michael bendis was the writer alex Maleev was the artist paul mounts was the color artist VCs Clayton Cowles was both the letter and the production. Mike Diodato. This is the weird thing. Mike Diodato and Frank Martin did the cover. Why not just have the interior artist Alex Maleev do the cover? Why did you need Mike Diodato to do this cover when he's penciling the other book? What was up with that? But that doesn't even look like Mike Diodato. Is that is that was Mike Diodato, did Mike Diodato do the um the variant cover? Because this does not look like his art. That that's that's what the they're saying it is. Wow. Well, I guess you know, artists have different styles, so that's interesting. Um, I read this today because <laughs> he had read this and gave me his, you know, because we were talking about it, and he told me all about it, and I was like, oh god, I have to read this. <laughs> so I read it today. Oh boy, so, I read it right after I read Ghostbusters. Let me tell you, it was a rough couple of books. <laughs> so this book takes place in the past, in which Tony Stark is going to school in England for some reason, and he's living, you know, the life of Riley. Everything happens for him because he has a rich dad and everything. No, if you he said it in here, he's paying his own way. No, I get that, but that's the thing. It he has like the last name. Yes. Because he has all these patents, and I guess it's more like okay, life of Riley was wrong. I guess he's more like he has this kind of wanderlust, and he's like running around, doing all kinds of things, and then he meets this girl who has a. These bodyguard. are two movies, right? You're talking about. Yes, they are. Well, yeah, they are. But anyway. Okay. Um. So he's, you know, meets this girl, and of course, the girl is the daughter of a rival industrialist, and I think she's Russian, and uh, they get attacked by other Russian people and Hydra. Yeah, yeah, they get attacked by Hydra. Yeah, because they <laughs> did something. You forgot already. You're like, I don't know what happened. Because they did something or said they weren't going to do something, and then Tony Stark had to kill someone to save them. But then, you know, they didn't save the father. And and again, this is all told in a flashback because in the first part of the book, Tony Stark in his Iron Man costume is on the ground being assaulted by all these other mechs. You know, these people. I'm assuming people in uh, other other uh mechanical armor i thought they were an updated nimrod i really did when i first looked at it or um uh, not what was the thing uh the I, fury not from, the, well no i thought it was, i thought they were upgraded uh crimson dynamos actually is what i thought it was that would um, work too but you could I, but they, they didn't look red so i was just like i don't know but anyway so you're telling the story and of course though he's having this on again off again relationship with this, with this girl that he really likes <laughs> and then the girl at the end turns out to be this girl who set him who who's whose mechs are attacking him and she looks all badass because she has a eye patch and she's just like you know we're gonna have to fight this out i guess she's on a revenge kick or something and he has to stop she her reminded me of contessa yeah re- yeah exactly exactly um, all our listeners are going who yeah I don't know. Just, I just the book just didn't seem. And and why does Tony have so many like girlfriends, crazy exes that want to kill him? Or, I mean, I get it, but I love Frank's comment. Go read it right now. Okay, it is hysterical. So what did you think of the book, Rich? <sighs> I have to agree. It, this book, like, why do we care? Why? Here I am talking about character moments. So Tony Stark's parents aren't his real parents, and now we have to figure out who they are. What does this matter to who he is and what he's doing now? You know, 
A year ago, he had a brother, and they totally said, fuck that, we don't really care. So now we're on his parents that are missing, or he's got to find out who they are. Is it really going to matter to the Iron Man mythos who his parents are? Unless they're like Strucker, or who was the other guy? Someone from Captain America. But it's just, I got to agree, reading this, and I like Alex Maleev, I just don't, I don't know. This book was rough for me to get through, just because... That I don't, I don't care. Sad thing about it is, I'm probably gonna read the number two. Really? I liked her character though, <laughs> like the woman, like that ending. I literally said, uh, reading it all, I was just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. then I got the end, and then she was sitting on his chest when his armor was like rebooting, and she's sitting on his chest, and she's looking at him, and she's like, you know, she's that says, could be a porno too. It really could. But she says to him like, you know, something you're not gonna stop me, Tony, or something like that. And I was just like, I literally said. Damn it, Bendis. So I don't know. Something about something about her character. She really. said, and Tony, my darling, fighting me isn't going to get you any closer to finding out who your real father is. That I can promise you. Who cares? I kinda did. I don't know. It's just <laughs> that's why I was so pissed, because I was totally like, damn you with the carrot. Damn you with that carrot. With the carrot. That's what it is. I mean it's a it's a carrot. So I'll probably end up picking up the number two. I don't know. Um, the next book we wanted to review is a new number one um, that Rich and I have had you know, mixed reviews about. It is an independent uh, comic by Boom Studios. It is not one of their all-ages titles, definitely not that. It's called Turncoat by Boom Studios. It's uh, written by Alex. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing this part. Pacnandel, illustrated by Artyom... Good luck. Chakhanov. Colors by Jason Wordy. Letters by Colin Bell. And the cover artist was Artyom uh, Chakhanov. So, and variant cover by Johnny Dombrowski. Uh, it's definitely European art style. It's a little cartoony. The colors were amazing. Uh, and here's where we get to where art style is subjective. Yeah, yeah. So first and foremost, the story is about, it takes place in the future, in which an alien species only called the management and assuming have fun, they're like a fungus type uh, alien species, I'm assuming fungus or something. They come in, they subjugate humans, and then they basically, you, you work for the management. And, and it happened, for, I guess, for a couple hundred years. And people were born under this new uh, lifestyle. And there are these humans that were working. There were police officers working for the management. But they found a way. uh, They found something four years ago that made them get up and just leave Earth. Just literally pick up and just leave everything where they are. So four years later, we have this woman who is, you know, she was a police officer for the management. And now she is um, a detective. And... There are people that hate her because people loved living under the management re- management's regime and they loved their gods and they loved everything about them. And then there's people that are happy to be free. And so she's kind of like the martyr because she was the one that that w- that found the way to get rid of them. So it's an interesting story about and now she's she's on a case to find out what's going on with the missing with the missing boy. And you find out through the course of, of her um investigation that people were trying to make this human management hybrid which was this weird fungus human person that was beautiful children but when they reached uh when they reached um adolescence they would mutate and become crazy and stuff like that and so something happened and it was bad and some people just left and so she's trying to find out what's going on with this with these weird mutant hybrids and this lost child i and just the way the visual style is what's making me really like this book because of how the artist draws the management's technology. It looks like weird, gross bugs or fungus, and the colors are every. It's just a really for me. It's a really interesting book. So yes, some of it's a bit rough, but some panels are really just beautiful to look at. Again, it's a very European art style. Uh, you can tell by the, the heavy handing and the colors and the shading, but again, I really enjoy the book. What do you think, Rich? I've read probably over a million comics. Thank God you just explained what the hell happened in this fucking book because it was just a hot mess and not a good hot mess that you want to watch. 
I, that's all I'm going to say about this book. So thank you for explaining what happened. But I love that the, the, when, when she was, when that weird exoskeleton nun, so there was this, so all of the kids are taught by these religious fanatics that, that are like Catholic nuns, yeah, but they are no. covered in an no. exoskeleton. Yeah. I and, didn't get none of that. And I, Brad, I got none of what you told me. In fact, <laughs> listening to you go on about it, I'm like, I don't think I read the same book. It, I, I really don't. I don't know. All I know is I'm so glad that you all got to spend this time with us because... But it was so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was... Okay, this is where I think the art style, for me, um, it looked like someone spilt something on it and then smeared it all over it. No, it did not. And like people, the the... The unnecessary circles around everything that because really showing you little, no, little things to make you that pop was out. Stupid! That was the vi- that was visual stimulus was, for your it was, eyes. It was annoying stimulus for oh, my eyes. All these I fucking it. circles around everything and that was, everything it's, it's had like noise attached. No, no. We're gonna how agree to disagree. It was how was horrible. that different than bolding than bolding a, a, a word of text in a text bubble to give something emphasis? I'm sorry. I have to really disagree with yeah. you. I think this book. I was. I really went into this book not knowing anything about it. Then I'm gonna order the rest of them for you. Yes, I'll read them. Seriously, I will I not. Really <laughs> thought this was a great book, and I think that you guys should definitely <laughs> give it a try. Okay, so just you heard it here first, folks. Give it a try. And as always, a special thank you to our sponsors, because without them, we really wouldn't have a show. So I want to give a special thanks to Club Card Printing. They're the ones that help us do all of the fantastical prints that you see in our palm cards. And if we ever do posters, we're going to get them done there. So if you're in the San Francisco area or if you have a computer, check out clubcardprinting.com. We also want to thank Gene Gilmet. He does all the amazing artwork for the show. You can check him out at rltpress.com. Yes, Gene, I, I, and I don't take it personally that Rich is always trying to kill me. So, <laughs> Also want to give a special thanks to Terry Miller. She is the mistress of the mix board and makes all those lovely sounds that you hear uh, during the Geek Chat. Also want to give a special thanks to our major sponsor, Whatever Comics, located at 548 Castro Street in San Francisco, located between 18th and 19th. Check us out online at whateverstoreonline.com and on Facebook under Whatever Store. So yeah, um, before we wrap up, I just want to give you guys a little bit of information about some things that are happening this week that you might be interested in. Oh yeah, y'all yeah. got to come out and join us this Saturday at the San Francisco Eagle from two to. F- we'll be there till four thirty, but the party stays till six. It is the anti-hero party. It's a superhero party for everyone who loves getting dirty and loving superheroes. We're gonna be there. You can be interviewed by us. Play some fun trivia, win some fun prizes, come in costume, come in nothing, but, you know, a Green Lantern ring if you want. That always works. Yeah, definitely come out and and rep your cosplay because there's a lot of people that are going to be there in cosplay. Uh, We're hoping because last time there was a a lot of folks out there doing that um, and we want more people uh, to come. Yeah, come support us. Show them that, you know, you want us to be there. We're going to be doing the live show. So... Come have fun with Des and I. Yes, it'll be interesting to tell you the truth. Um, another thing is, I know we haven't said much about Batman versus Superman, but we will be seeing it this Thursday. So, uh, stay tuned. It's getting really good reviews. Yes, it's getting very positive reviews. Though we'll be talking about that. So tune into this week's What You Talking About Facebook because I have something to say about that. Yes, so definitely tune into that as well as our point five as we give our review. Last thing we wanted to say is I want to give uh, Gene Gilmet a special uh, shout out and thank you for the new uh, the new picture that we're going to be adding uh, tonight. Uh, we have a new picture that he made uh, in honor of uh, Fuck Fairyland, um, in which you'll see me and Rich doing battle. That is right. I will kill you one of these days, damn you. I doubt it. Because, <laughs> because I'm the happy one. But tune in to the Geek <laughs> Chat Facebook group and uh, come and check out our new uh, wall art. Yes, Gene, you outdid yourself. I And I love all your work. You know that. But I think this one by far is my favorite because you made me look so amazing. I look cute, too. Yeah, I really you. like my hair. Fuck so you. Cute. I'm better. But anyway... <laughs> 
So I'm Desmond. I'm Rich. And we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Pink shot. Pink shot. Pink shot.